0: What up, High Street young adults? Thanks for joining us again this week as we continue in our series uh, over the Old Testament. So this week, I want to talk to you guys uh, with some pretty sobering statistics. So Quartz, which is uh, an article that you can find uh, through Google articles, has told that not a thousand, not a hundred thousand, not even a million, but 93 million selfies are taken a day. And not only that, but on Birchbox, 78%, this is a statistic uh, done by an article, an online article through the magazine Birchbox, is 78% of women can spend up to 55 minutes a day looking in a mirror. Now this is of course for preparation, for makeup, if you wear makeup, for, for hair, and I probably even know a few guys who would go a bit longer than that. But 55 minutes a day, if we punch some numbers, if we do some calculations, this is nearly 333.7 hours a year, which can calculate up to 13 days. Now, Washington Post uh, did a, an article uh, to talk about the average adult and how much time they spend doing some sort of rigorous exercise or activity. And it is actually as low as 17 minutes a day, which you think... It would be a bit higher than that. You would hope it would be a bit higher than that. But 17 minutes a day after doing the calculations is about 103.13 hours a year. Now, this uh, actually is equivalent to four days a year, and that's just at 17 minutes a day. And so all of these statistics to be said is that there is a culture uh, that is, is developing and has been developed for quite some time, and it is that we are about ourselves. Um, from the beginning of our day to the end of our day, uh, we are spent both in thought and in action uh, pursuing self, uh, whether this be uh, through preparation in front of a mirror, whether it be uh, through a selfie to post on Instagram, or whether it be physical activity to better oneself. And not to say that these things are bad in and of themselves, but what it is is it's pointing to a culture that is all about serving self. That we as humans are the not only the center of our own lives But we are also the center of the universe that all things are, are really revolving around us And that's not only seen in our ideology in, in the way that we think um, But also in the actions and the daily activities that we perform now the great danger um, with this type of thinking uh, is that we not only think this way about ourselves in our daily lives But then it we bring this also to our spiritual lives as well And we make the very common mistake that God actually works this way too That it is for the glory of man and the glorification of man that God has operated all things and this is very um Very incorrect in in a way of thinking because God has explicitly explicitly said throughout all the Old Testament and even the New Testament That he is about his own glory And if you don't want to take my word for it, you guys can open up to Isaiah chapter 43 As uh, we see Isaiah is in uh, chapters 40 through 66 is really talking about this impending Babylonian captivity that's going to take place And so Israel, who's been very disobedient, we see in the chapter before in Isaiah 42, has been very disobedient in all of that God's, uh, and all that he's asked of them. And in their disobedience, um, God has still continued uh, to promise them that he's going to be faithful to himself. And so it is not based upon the Israelite goodness that God chooses to operate, but the faithfulness of himself and the glorification of himself is God's, motive so we read in uh, isaiah 43 starting in verse 1 it says but now thus says the lord who created you o jacob and he formed you o israel fear not for i have redeemed you and i have called you by name you are mine and i think as we read throughout this chapter it's important for us to Pay attention to the pronouns. Not only is it uh, God who is working, but who is God working for? For whose glory is God working for? And so we continue in verse two. It says, "When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. For through the waters they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt." for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have honored, uh, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people uh, uh, for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not take them back. Do not keep them back bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth Everyone who is called by my name whom I've created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes I have made him and so before we continue on with the rest of chapter 43 What we see thus far is God has created man specifically those called by his name because remember this is written to Israel but God has created man for the purpose of his own glory It is not for the glorification of man it is not because man has been good or because god looked through the corridors of time and saw that man would be good on their own but it is because of god and his goodness alone for his own glory's sake that he has created man and so we read on in verse eight says bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears let all the nations be gathered together let all the nations be gathered together, and let the people be assembled, whom among them can declare this. And then he goes on to say, and show us these former things. Let, let's bring them out for their witnesses, and let, they, let them be justified, or let them hear this and say it is truth. And then in verses 10 through 12 is when we get our next um, declaration of God's own glory. It says, you are my witness, says the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. That you may know and believe, for what purpose? Is that so you can know and understand God is who he says he is. And then he goes on to clarify, just in case there's any doubt or confusion as to who God is, it says, before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be any after. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no savior. I have declared and saved I have proclaimed and so we see here as God is uh, Referencing how he has preserved Israel though They have been scattered and though history has, has shown that they have been taken captive by many nations before and though They have been dispersed all throughout the world. God has preserved the Israelites those that he has called his own people for what for the sake of his own glory And then we're going to jump on uh, to to verse 25, uh, same chapter. And this is uh, another testament to God's seeking to uh, glorify himself. It says in verse 25, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for what? For my own sake. And I will remember not your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. And so why does God choose to forgive uh, a disobedient nation who has not been following um, the commandments and the covenant that God has laid out for them? It is because he forgives sins for his own sake. And so in, in light of a world who's very consumed with self, and, and even uh, those of us, my, myself included, who grew up in a Christian background, um, the, the typical danger is for us to think that God operates for our own glory, that it is for God, uh, it is God who, who operates to glorify ourselves and to glorify man, when this is quite contrary to all we see of Scripture. We can even dive into certain passages or dive into certain Scriptures, and we can even begin to think, well, how, what does this say about me? when this is one old unfolding story of how God is choosing to redeem the world for his own glory. And we see this all throughout um, Isaiah, really, is it's broken up really into two sections, Uh, one being how uh, they should manage in the Assyrian um, with Assyrian taking over, and in the second half, we see in, like I said, in chapters really forty through sixty-six, is what kind of hope is there for the Israelites that are going to be taken captive by the Babylonians? And this first section uh, that we see in in forty, and even up until forty-three is that the hope, even when they are captive, is that God is different from all other gods that they have worshiped before. And in fact, these idols and these other gods aren't really gods in and of themselves at all, is that God is the only one true God who can save. And in all of that, God is about his own glory for the benefit of Israel, but for the glory of God. And so now we're thinking, okay, so this is the Old Testament. This is Isaiah, and we see how God is operating with the Israelites, but what does that say for us? And so if you want to jump with me to Romans chapter 3, we're going to be reading a few verses. um, And not only did God operate this way for the Israelites, but this is actually the same motive. His own glory is how he has chosen to operate and to redeem sinners who were far off as well. So in Romans 3 chapter 21, we read but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ And so we see this section is really about how God's righteousness is displayed for justifying sinners Through the the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus And so we continue on it says for there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And so what do we see here is that the reason Um, That God is able to be just and the justifier is is through the life of Christ But all of this it's not as if Jesus went to the cross because he saw something good in us It was because God himself was love and the reason it is so beautiful is that God is choosing to uh, Reconcile and to redeem sinners that his righteousness that his glory might be put on full display And the danger um, when we think that even the cross or the life and the death of, of Christ was because we were good or it's because it all revolved around us rather than God's glory is really what it does is cheapen the gospel for us. It's that, oh, there was something good in us or that I did something great and that is actually why God is operating. It's because of my goodness. When we see in the Old Testament all the way to the New that the reason God is just And he is a justifier, and he is loving, and he is merciful, is not because of the glory of man, but because of himself. Um, And this operates and has application in our lives in many different ways, is that a lot of us think that this is bad news, but actually this is great news is that most of history we look back and whenever we see a true detriment to society or something negative happening in history, it's because of man's uh, plan to glorify himself. And when man glorifies himself, all of man's attributes are heightened. That is pride, that is uh, things that are self-seeking. And this is, this is what is truly uh, negative to our society. It's that man is trying to exalt themselves to the place of God when god is exalted and when god is glorified all of his attributes are seen as well and that is his abundant love his mercy his grace his just uh, his just nature all of these things are what is of great benefit to humanity and so the best thing that any human can do all throughout their life and this is what first corinthians 10:31 speaks to is that all things are for the glory of god and this is what is best for us. And so we ask a few questions. Maybe today um, you're just reflecting on your relationship with God, wh- whether it be through your prayers, whether it be through your scripture reading, and you've realized it's all been about me. Um, today is actually an amazing day for us to kind of readjust our focus, to realize that all of the scriptures and even all of God's will might be to our benefit, but is it is actually to the glory of God. And maybe you're, you're listening in or, or you're here at Young Adults for the first time and you don't really have a relationship with God. And you hear about these amazing qualities that God has and, and you look at your own life and all you see is brokenness. And it's because you've tried to do things on your own. You've tried to elevate yourself and to make yourself the center of the universe when really it is the goodness of God that you've been seeking after. And so if you're here for the first time or you're listening in for the first time and you want to have a relationship with God the first step is admitting that it's not about you and and that God in his goodness and his mercy has sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins because he is a good God not because we did anything uh, to brag about not because we did anything really of, of goodness at all but because God is good. And so all you have to do is repent of, of the sins that you've committed and to believe that that Jesus actually did die on the cross for your sins and ask the Lord to save you. There's nothing that you have to, to do as far as, oh, I have to go to church this many times, or I have to read these many scriptures in order to get God's attention. The truth is that God is both just and the justifier. He is about his own glory, and he has sent Christ for us so that we might be redeemed and so that his righteousness Might be put on full display. So, hey guys, thanks for tuning in this week. I hope you guys have a great week.